Uh, If you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And before we look at the verses here, I wanted to share a quote from Conrad Merle I heard the other day in a sermon. He said, Religion is man's futile search for God, which may be likened to a blind man in a totally dark room trying to find a black cat that isn't there. I thought that's pretty good. I mean, that's, that's man's attempts to find God. I mean, it's, it's like a blind man in a dark room trying to find a black cat that isn't there. It's, it's impossible, in other words. There, there is nothing there um, outside of God revealing himself to us, right? Christianity is light. God finding man. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. So that's, that's, that's our only hope today, right, is the grace of God. that will, Our only hope that we'll receive anything today that will help us. So Romans chapter 5, and we'll read verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom... Also, we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. So I want to speak to you today on the subject in verse 2, this phrase here, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. Uh, this, This idea of standing in grace. And just to kind of get a a view of the context of the book of Romans here, as you know, in chapters 1 and 2, Paul shows that all men are under sin, both Jew and Gentile, both the non-religious person who doesn't care about God, he's under sin, he's a sinner, and the religious person, he's a sinner. And in chapter 3, he unfolds this thing that, that we're all under the law, and the law was given that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world realized, I'm accountable to God, and I'm guilty before the law of God, and I'm going to be justly condemned by God for my sins. And then in chapter 3, that this gift of righteousness, that in Jesus Christ, God did what we could not do, that Christ fulfilled the law, he satisfied the law, he paid the debt of sin, which is death, for us, and that by faith, we can stand justified, we can be forgiven. In chapter 4, he goes on and shows that Abraham is an example that it's always been this way, that men are justified, declared righteous before God by faith and not by anything that you bring to the table, any works that you have to do. And so we arrive here at chapter 5, and my heading says the results of justification. And Paul immediately, he goes into these three benefits of being justified. He says we have peace with God. The war is over between us and God. We have this new standing in grace. You're in a whole new realm of grace, and you, we presently exalt in the hope of the glory of God. No longer when someone asks you, are you going to heaven, you know, like frequently here in the world, well, I hope so. That's totally done away with when you come into contact with the gospel, right? Because the gospel says you have, we write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. You can presently exalt in the future hope. But I want us to think about this, this one benefit here, this one reality, and that is that we are brought into a whole new standing with God 
And that standing is in grace, unmerited favor, the free, changeless, unchanging favor of God that you are permanently in. And we know that Paul viewed it this way in terms of a change of realms because he reveals that later on in chapter 5 and in chapter 6. If you look in the end of chapter 5, he says, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he says that before you were under sin, it was reigning, it was leading to death, but now you're you're under King Grace, and it's raining, and it's going to lead all the way to life. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Under, you're under this thing, right? You're no longer under law, but you've been brought under grace, a whole new realm, a whole new reality that you're living in. So what does this mean, that we are that we are standing in grace. Well, first off, if you just notice here, it says that we've been introduced into it, right? Our introduction by faith into this grace, which means that we were not always in it. And so to understand it, you really have to understand what was, the, what was our situation before. And our situation before was this, that apart from Christ, our relationship to God was entirely legal, You and God were not friends, you were not buddies, he was not the man upstairs, he was your judge, and you were a rebel, you were a criminal before a holy judge. Your relationship to him was entirely based upon the law, and the reality was that we were rebels, right? We were under the curse of the law, as Paul says in Galatians, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So what God is saying is this. If you want to try to relate to God on the basis of the law, you've got to keep the whole law. And if you don't, you are cursed. Cursed are you if you don't abide by everything that God commanded. And so what does that mean? It means that all are under the curse of the law. Every morning you woke up and the law demanded of you something that you did not have. It demanded of you righteousness, and you didn't have it, and it justly condemned you for not having it. Our whole life could be summed up as one big failure to keep the law. And the law threatened you. It told you, you know, if you don't obey God, you're going to perish, you're going to die. But it had no power. We had no power to keep it because of our sin. God looked upon us as rebels and not as children. A life of futility, a life of trying to earn favor before God by the basis of our works. But God, right? I mean, if there was no but God, there there would be the end of the story. But the gospel is but God. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's amazing so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. So the reality is, what what brought about this great change? It was the sending of the Son, right? It was Christ as the God-man, as a man born of woman, under the law, perfectly fulfilling the law, going to the cross to pay the debt and penalty of the law, that we might be freed from the law. 
right? That we might be totally brought out of, of relating to God on that, in that way anymore and that our sins might be totally done away with by his death. And we believe it, we trust God, it's for us, and we're justified. And Paul says here in Romans 5 that now, because of that reality, because of that truth, we relate to God on the basis of grace now, no longer on the basis of law. When you come before God, you're not coming before the one who's judging you, who's condemning you. You're coming before one who is your father now. You relate to him, and it's entirely different now. Romans chapter 5 here, verse 2, he says, Through whom we have obtained. Well, who's the whom? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's from him. It's through him. Every benefit, right? Every spiritual blessing that we receive is from God through Jesus Christ. It's bound up in him. He's, he's the fountainhead. You get Jesus, you get everything. We have obtained our introduction. What is this idea here? The idea is this, that when you first believed, you were given something that you never had before, right? You were given access. This idea of, in verse 2, obtained our introduction. It's the idea of access. The idea is to be brought in and presented before someone. A lot of times it's like the idea of being presented before a court. Like you, formerly you had no right. You couldn't come in, couldn't just waltz up into the king's presence. But now the doors have been opened. You've been granted access. Paul, Paul says these exact same things in uh, Ephesians 2.18. Through Christ, through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Ephesians 3.12, in Christ, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. You know, what this made me think of, I, I thought of the, the story of the Christmas carol. You know, most of you are probably familiar with that story. You have Scrooge, you know, he's the, the unhappy, bitter, covetous old man, and uh, he's got the three, the, Christ, the angel of Christmas, past, future, and present, and... and uh, the one of present takes him currently outside of Bob Cratchit's house. And he's like standing out there in the cold, like shivering. He sees inside and there's like warmth and love. And, you know, even though Tiny Tim's sick or whatever, that you can tell the family like loves each other and they're happy. And he's, he's, he's rejected. He's on the outside. He's, he's got no access. That was us. You know, when we were under the law of God, cut off, no access. But in Christ, through Christ, access now, Right? brought in he brings us in to this whole this whole new realm before a gracious god and says that this is your father now and brings us into the presence of god the king has thrown open the palace doors and says to all of us all that is mine is yours i mean that's what this means he says this it's like you open the doors. If you've seen some of the movies, they've got rooms that are just filled with gold and stuff everywhere, just piles, piles of gold and every sort of thing. He's, it's like God is saying, you know, this is my grace. This is all yours now, much more, much greater than material blessings, but spiritual graces and physical blessings. Access to infinite grace, a gracious Father. I mean, do you realize this? I mean, what, what, what Paul is saying here is that God now permanently relates to you in this manner, that he relates to you in a gracious manner from now on, forever. 
never again to go back to relating to you on the basis of law. It means that he delights to bless you. Like that's, he's your father now. He wants to bless you. He wants to do good unto you and only good all the days of your life. And Paul says this. He says, into this grace in which we stand. There's something final about that, isn't there? Something firm. The idea is to stand firm or to stand fast. It's not that you go in or out or that you're halfway in and halfway out, but that it's that God's disposition toward you is unchanging. His, his free and changeless is his favor, as the hymn says. There's no escaping. Grace will overtake you wherever you are, right? You can try to run from God, but you're not going to get very far, are you? I mean, he's not going to let you. Grace is there to chase you down and find you. I mean, it's like those when Moses talked about the, the, the two mountains, the mountains of, you know, the, the, of the blessings and of the curses, and it's talking about blessings will overtake you, you know, wherever you go. So it is with grace. You won't get very far. God is determined to bless you. So the question is, do you think of God like that? I mean, when you go to pray, are you going to a God that you're thinking, he's determined to do me good today? He is determined to bl- blessings to overtake me today. I mean, is that how you believe the heart of God is toward you? He's determined to strip us of sin, to humble us, right? To make us depend more upon Christ, to, to destroy our pride. Grace. And notice this, if you look at that verse in 521 again. This is all the way unto eternal life, right? Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If, 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 I don't know of a verse that has so much of a sense of victory and triumph in it. I mean, many times God has brought this verse to my mind when I failed the Lord, you know, when I've sinned. And it's like, man, I cannot believe I've sinned against the Lord again in this way. You know, and you feel like, you know, can I go on? But it's like grace, I think of it again, grace, reigning grace through righteousness. It's not an unrighteous reign of grace. It's through righteousness. Christ really did pay for our sins and take our sins away. And so his grace covering over our sins, it's, it's right, it's just, because Christ took those sins. It's a reign through the gift of righteousness. And it's going to carry us all the way to eternal life. All the way to heaven. You may feel like I've sinned a thousand times. Surely there's no more grace to cover those sins. And the Bible says grace reigns through righteousness. His divine power has granted unto you everything necessary pertaining to life and godliness. There's grace to cover your sins and there's grace to pick you back up, and there's grace to give you power to overcome those sins. So now the great question is this. Do you, do I, do we believe this truth? Do you live in, a day to, in, a, in your day-to-day life, do you believe this reality, that your standing is in grace, that you relate to God, that God is a gracious Father to you? And so I have some questions for you that may kind of expose, you know, whether this is a reality in our life or not. So here's, here's some of the questions. 
Do you frequently feel like God views you as a failure? Like, is that, is that a predominant thought that's going on in your mind? That God views you as a failure? Do you expect God to bless your life? Or are you constantly thinking, oh, God's got some horrible thing planned or some horrible trial coming up down the road? I'm just waiting for it to happen. When trials or hard things do happen, do you feel like God is angry with you? When you come to God in prayer, do you come hesitantly, like wondering, does he, is he even listening to me? Does he even care about me? When you sin, do you stay far away from God? Do you, do you just kind of, Lord, I've done this thing. I'm just going to not pray for a few days. I'm just going to take a break and, you know, I can't, I can't come into the presence of God now because of that. Do you make resolutions or vows or to keep track of time, time spans of sinning? Oh, it's been two weeks since I got angry with my husband or wife. I'm going to keep counting the days. So I'm keeping track of this record-keeping business. Do you see how important it is to believe the truth in these areas? So what, what are some of the truths in light of this text that we just read to counter these thoughts or these lies? How about the one about failure, feeling like you're a failure before God? And the truth is this, that God loves you, right? That you are under his grace. I remember Paul Washer in one of his messages, he was talking about being exhausted and worn out. I think he was in Peru at that time. And uh, I don't think he had laid hold of this reality yet of being under grace. And he was just worn out. I mean, just from striving and striving. And he said he realized at that moment he did not have to move an inch to the left or to the right for God to love him. That he was loved, you know, I mean, right where he was. And I mean, that's the reality. You are loved by God right where you are. Failures and all, sins and all. If you're in Christ... You are loved. What about the person who has this mindset of just always waiting for something bad to come your way or God's, God's going to judge me or something bad's going to happen here in the future? Well, what is the truth? This is what the gracious God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for a hope and for a future, not to harm you, right? To prosper you. What about hesitant prayer? I don't know if God really hears me. If we believe this truth, we'll come boldly. What, what, what kind of throne do you come to now? It's a throne of grace, right? It's no longer a throne of judgment. We come to a throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. I mean, that's the reality. You can come to God with confidence knowing He hears you because He relates to you on the basis of grace. How about I've sinned? I need to stay away. I need to stay away from the Lord for a while because of this. The truth is this. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I mean, that's, that's the big reality of your life. You have an advocate. You have a voice there pleading his blood on your behalf. Grace. What about trials and punishment? The truth is that The Bible says we have a kind and heavenly Father who disciplines us for our good, right? That we might be sharers in his holiness. That's the reality of trials. Not as a means of punishing you, but as a means of disciplining you, sanctifying you. And sometimes not even that. Sometimes just suffering for the sake of Jesus. Maybe maybe there's nothing 
Maybe you have a clean conscience, but you're to glorify God in the midst of suffering. What about this whole thing of keeping records of, or time periods of your sin or vows, resolutions? Well, the reality is this. How blessed is the man to whom, to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. Grace has nothing to do with record keeping. You can throw all of the mindset of record keeping or of streaks or, you know, out the window. It has nothing to do with grace. You're just as much under the favor and grace of God the moment after you sinned as ten days after you sinned. It's God's unchanging disposition toward you, his love, his steadfast love toward you. So what is the exhortation in these things? Well, it's this. Brethren, we need to hold fast to this truth. I mean, if the devil assaults you, what is the, what is the devil's name? He's the accuser of the brethren, right? If he, if he assaults your mind, if he accuses you, he's always going to try to bring you to, to thinking back like you're under the law again when it's not true. He wants to bring you back over there so he can rail at you and accuse you and beat you down, rob you of assurance, and make you a fruitless and empty Christian. I mean, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to ruin you. And we must take, you have to take a stand on the truth. The reality is this. God says, I'm under grace now. God loves me now. This is the reality. We must hold up the shield of faith. The Bible says it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, right? We need this. We need to, live, we need to preach this to each other, right? Brother, you are under grace now. Your sins are gone. You are loved by God right where you are. Well, amen. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have brought us out from under the law. Lord, no longer to be slaves, but to be sons. Lord, to be adopted into the family of God. and uh, Lord, we just say that you are good. Lord, you are gracious. Lord, you are much more gracious than we think you are. Lord, we pray to forgive us of low thoughts of you and unbelieving thoughts. And Lord, we pray to help us, pray to help your people, Lord, just to stand firm in these truths, this reality, Lord, of, of this new and unchanging standing in grace, Lord. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.